0: You're listening to the Bug Bucks Podcast, hosted by Alan Draper and Eric Bassett. Each week, they'll discuss ways to scale and grow your pest control company with a goal of helping you become a bug money millionaire. We broke the idea of growth goals into a few different categories. So the first being goals you make for leads and customer acquisition, and the second being goals you make for customer retention. Those two goals combine into the end result of whether your company is either growing or shrinking in customers. Welcome to the Bug Bucks podcast. I am Eric Bassett, and I will be your host as we do a recap of the last couple episodes. I'm gonna go through my notes and pick out some of the best takeaways from episodes 75 and 76. If you hear something that sticks out to you make sure you go back and re-listen to that episode. I definitely don't have enough time to cover all the best stuff, so have a re-listen if you want all the secrets. Before I get started, I want to remind you to go and join our Bug Bucks Facebook group. That's B-U-G-B-U-X. We've surpassed 3,200 members, and we are climbing. It's an awesome community of pest control owners who share tips, tricks, knowledge, wisdom, and all sorts of gold nuggets. If you haven't joined already, you are absolutely missing out. All right, let's dive in here. Episode 75 that dropped on March 23rd was all about protecting your existing customer base from door knockers from other companies. This is something that my company deals with every year. I'm pretty sure everybody does. And if you haven't yet, you will. So what do we do about this? How do you avoid what feels like the inevitable switchover cancellation calls from your customers every single season? Let's talk about the proactive options first. Number one, reminding your technicians to make a personal connection with your customers. I can't stress enough how much of a difference the relationship between a customer and a technician makes during the door-to-door season. When I knocked doors and ran into people who already used a pest control service, I quickly knew how difficult the switchover was going to be by how they talked about their company. So, if they knew they used somebody but weren't sure of the name, I knew I had it in the bag. If they mentioned the name of the company but nothing about the technician, I knew it would take some work, but I'd still come out with a sale. If they talked about the technician or the technicians that service their home, especially if they mentioned them by name, I knew it was a total waste of time. Give your technicians the time and the training to talk with their customers. Teach them how to have the kind of conversations that grow relationships and connections. It's more than just specifics about the service. The technicians need to build a connection that surpasses the professional relationship. If they don't, a door-to-door salesman for sure will. Number two, Understanding what a customer's wins are. Okay, I love this one. It's definitely a big part of what we teach in Natura. Wins is an acronym that stands for wants, interests, and needs. It's the building blocks of the value your customer sees in your service. So during the initial sales process, our team asks all sorts of questions that through that process, we glean the customer's wins and we repeat them back to the customer so they know we fully understand exactly what they're looking for. But this isn't something that you can just ask about in the beginning and then forget down the road. Their wins change over time as their lives change. So whoever's in contact with your customers needs to be having that conversation and making sure that value connection is still there. Just like with number one, If you aren't having those conversations with your customer and making sure that you're on the same page about what they see value in, some door-to-door salesmen will have that conversation instead. All right, let's dive into the reactive tips. So what do we do when a customer actually makes a request to cancel their service? So just as a side note here, I know that cancellation requests come as phone calls and emails and probably texts. And I know that people have their preferences on communication. I'm totally cool with that. But there is so much more power when you can actually get a customer on the phone and have a conversation with them. The difference in degree of influence is astounding. If you feel like the person who's answering the phone for you guys in your office, who is running your retention department or customer service department, if that person is lacking in this area, train them up. If they are only trying to save customers via email or text, that has such a low save rate and it's allowing your customers to disconnect themselves from the personal connection, which is crucial if you want to build long-term loyalty. If they email to cancel, just call them up. All right. So, number three, when a customer actually makes a request to cancel service, I like to start out with a really easy opener that has to do with their tenure. The nice thing here is that it doesn't matter how long or short they've been with you. The opener is absolutely the same. And it sounds something like this. You know, John, I noticed you've only been with us for about eight months. What's going on that's making you feel like leaving? Or... If it's like a long-term customer that has, uh, you know, a lot more time, it's the same thing. I'd say something that sounds like this. You know, John, you've been loyal with us for nearly six years. What's going on that's making you feel like leaving? So a big part of the conversation starter is that it ends in an open-ended question that invites the customer to explain the situation. It's also completely non-confrontational. So you're approaching the situation with concern instead of interrogating the customer. Once you're able to get some information, and assuming it's this whole door knocker scenario, I know you'll be really tempted to bash the other company and poke holes in everything they said and just start defending your honor, etc. Don't do that. I promise it doesn't help, and if anything, just makes you seem defensive and desperate. Instead, stay confident. Remember, this is your customer, this is your turf, you were here before that door-to-door guy, And you'll be here long after they're gone. Let your customer know that you understand where they're coming from and that you get calls about these door-to-door guys all season long. Tell your customer that what really matters is that they get the best service that fits their needs. Put their wins back in the spotlight and ask them about the offer they got. When I ask, it usually sounds something like this. So what was it about the offer that made you want to switch from us to them? Listen and just let the customer talk. If they answer this question honestly, it will likely be the key to any viable offer you can make to get them to stay. All right, let's talk about a weird door to door switchover situation that you'll run into. And you might have already and didn't even know it. What do you do if you suspect that the quote customer you are talking to is really just the door to door rep that's posing as the customer? to avoid you being able to convince them to stay. If this situation makes you upset, welcome to the club. Here are some pointers. The first thing you need to understand is that while you suspect this to be true, it might be totally false. That means whether you're right or wrong, you need to follow the same process you would to handle a cancellation call from any other customer. Usually, if it's a door-to-door rep, they'll be pretty short with you, which just saves you time anyway. Here's the big key. When you hang up the phone, wait 10 to 15 minutes, maybe even a little longer. It's important that you wait so you can give the sales guy time to leave in case he's still around. Then call that customer back and make sure the person you were talking to was actually them. The way I usually start that conversation usually sounds like this. Hey John, this is Eric at Natura Pest Control. This might sound odd, but I just got a call about 20 minutes ago from someone wanting to cancel your account and I just didn't seem like it was you. I was a little worried and I wanted to be sure I was actually talking to you and not someone pretending to be you. So, worst case scenario here. It's actually your customer who you were talking to before and now they're annoyed that you're calling them out. But hey, at least they know you care enough about them and their business that you're willing to call them back. Best case scenario They explained that some door-to-door guy came by and just signed them up and told them that they would, quote, take care of switching over the account for them. Now you've got some ammo. Just be careful how you use it. Even if that whole situation makes a salesman look shady, you still need to talk about the fact that his offer made them want to switch in the first place. So now you have a legitimate opportunity to have that conversation and save a customer. Side note. If you're a company who uses door-to-door, please don't use this tactic. If you want to coach a customer on what to say or how to act, that's fine. But don't assume their identity and call their company. The door-to-door industry has a tough enough time as it is. Don't make it worse. For the guys who catch some other company's sales guy doing this, don't chase him down or call and make threats or anything like that. Just keep your composure and move on. That guy won't make it far lying to people anyway. All right, so those are my notes from episode 75, lots of good stuff in there. Make sure to have a listen if you haven't already, and even if you have, it's definitely worth listening to again. Can't have too many arrows in your quiver when it comes to saving customers, right? Let's dive into episode 76. This one dropped on March 29th, where Alan and I chose some recent questions from the Bug Bucks Facebook group to discuss. We talked about measuring success during the prep season and how effectively to price your services. So credit to Salvador Mora and Ryan Snow for the posts in the group. I want to start off by talking about tracking growth. So in the podcast episode, the question from Salvador had to do with specific growth goals for Q1 or the first quarter of the year, which is January through March. An important point we made Is that your growth goals during almost any time of the year are best compared by your own year-over-year data but i definitely understand the draw to know what everyone else is doing sometimes it's nice to know what's possible and what the industry quote average is we broke the idea of growth goals into a few different categories so the first being goals you make for leads and customer acquisition and the second being goals you make for customer retention. Those two goals combine into the end result of whether your company is either growing or shrinking in customers. So companies who focus the majority of their sales efforts on door-to-door and have little to no focus on inside sales likely won't see much, if any, growth between the end of Q4 and the beginning of Q1. So as you can imagine, this is highly dependent On the market that you're in so areas that are colder in the winter see lower lead volume and possibly an increased amount of cancellation calls due to the lower demand that time of year where the warmer markets won't feel such a dramatic swing long story short if you find yourself growing during the prep season even if it's relatively small that is great news it's not uncommon to fight just to maintain your customer base and likely slimmed down a little through natural attrition. A key takeaway here was to make sure you are paying attention to the lead measures that act as key indicators for growth numbers you are measuring. So, for example, let's say in Q1 of 2022, the month of March accounted for 2% of your overall annual growth. And then in March of 2023, that percentage increased to 3 or 4%. So at first glance, you'd likely be pretty excited, but don't forget that if you don't track the smaller contributing measures, your sales team, retention team, and service team could all have been performing more poorly, and what saved you was your lead volume, or maybe your sales team was struggling, but your retention team was killing it, and that's why the numbers increased. The idea here is that what's more important than whether or not the company grows or shrinks is understanding why it's either growing or shrinking. So don't just stare at the revenue all day. Pay attention to your other key performance indicators. Those are what tell the real story. All right, so let's move on to the second question that Alan and I covered in the episode. There were some concerns about pricing and trying to analyze issues when you feel like customers aren't biting. So the interesting thing about this discussion is that it ended up being less about which price is right to charge for services and more about knowing what questions to ask and how to effectively market to the right customers. So if you ever end up feeling like you're not getting the results you want, the first thing we need to do here is figure out if we have a marketing issue, a sales issue, or a service issue. So the easiest place to start with a marketing issue is looking to see if you're even getting the volume of leads that you want and if they are the quality of leads that you want. If either of those are an issue, it's time you took a second look at the ads and the campaigns you're running and the budgets you're spending. When it comes to leads, I always like to imagine a balancing act between three forces. Think about uh, cost, quality, and volume. So if you do things right, you can usually get at least two of those three things. So for example, you can find low-cost, high-quality leads, but you aren't likely to find a high volume of them. Next, you can also find a high volume of low-cost leads, but they likely won't be very good quality. And lastly, you can definitely find a high volume of quality leads, but they definitely don't come at a low cost. So Obviously, the magical dream of every pest control marketing executive is to find the high volume, high quality, low cost lead source. The reality is that you never really find the perfect lead source. You just get better at the balancing act. So the easiest place to start when trying to diagnose a sales issue is to look at the team and the individual sales stats. Uh, Of course, this only works. If you're tracking lead volume, closing rate, conversion rate, contract value, one-time value, et cetera, if you're not tracking the data, the best info you're going to get from your sales team is their gut feeling on how things are going and the degree of variance on how accurate that is, is not something you want to rely on. So track the numbers and pay attention to the month over month and the year over year data. All right, finally, we've got the service issue situation. So maybe your sales team is closing sales and those sales are having to wait to get serviced because you're low on staff or an improperly trained technician didn't perform the initial service properly and now your new customer wants to cancel. Maybe the customer service team was too busy to answer their call and forgot to call them back and now your new customer is having second thoughts about you. The list goes on and on. And companies easily overlook the gap between the sales process and the service or the delivery process and it's honestly a tough one to follow because it's not usually anything that jumps out on you uh, on a pnl or on a monthly marketing report or a widget on your dashboard it's something that only gets noticed if you have dedicated management staff or you are around to keep an eye on it so let's talk a little bit about pricing what's too high what's too low Does it matter? Of course it matters, but maybe not in the way that some people think about it. So perceived value is something that I think the pest control industry really seems to struggle with. And I think it has a lot to do with the fact that what makes the difference between noticing the value of a high ticket company versus a low ticket company are actually kind of hard to see. So let me give you an example. If someone was in the market to buy a car, and they saw that they could get a brand new Hyundai for like 25000 bucks, and they also saw that they could buy a Maserati for $85,000, they wouldn't be confused by the price difference because the difference in quality is already obvious. It's already common knowledge, and they know that those are two completely different classes of vehicles. And Hyundai and Maserati Both know that they attract two completely different kinds of customers. You don't hear about people trying to price match the two cars or Hyundai customers complaining when they hear the Maserati price. The reason why pest control companies struggle with this is because the difference in value between companies is not obvious to the typical consumer. The value has to be explicitly expressed. The only things that truly matter in sales is whether or not the value that your product Or service delivers outweighs the price you charge and whether or not you can actually deliver on the value each customer has their own unique set of qualifiers that they find value in it's based on each customer's perspective that's why it's called perceived value so find a price that you feel is adequate for the value you deliver that provides a healthy profit margin focus on your customers wants interests and needs and grow your reputation as the company that's worth it, regardless of whatever price you charge. Okay, I gotta move on. Otherwise, I will be stuck in the black hole of price versus value forever. So this whole episode was an awesome one. I am a big fan of answering questions from our listeners and from our Facebook group members. If you guys are members of the Bug Bucks group, you probably noticed that my comments on posts are a bit lengthy. Being long-winded is an absolute vice of mine, so. When I get the chance to just openly talk about group posts on the podcast, it actually saves me from having to burn my thumbs off typing a comment. But honestly, I doubt my comment length is going to change anytime soon anyway. So, oh well. All right, everybody. That's your Eric Bassett Bug Bucks recap on episodes 75 and 76. Thank you for listening in. And again, if you haven't joined the Bug Bucks Facebook group, I promise you are missing out. Tons of great content in there, awesome people to connect with, just a solid community of PCOs. Those members and the listeners of this podcast are what make doing this worthwhile. So a big thank you to you guys, as well as all the people behind the scenes who do all the heavy lifting, Hunter, Becky, and of course, Alan. Big thank yous to you guys too. If anything in this episode stuck out to you as something you think could help a friend, a business partner, or employee, please share it and leave us a review if you haven't already. That is the best thank you we can get from you. It's been great talking with you guys. You'll catch me on the next episode. And until then, keep building those pest control companies. Thank you so much for listening to the Bug Bucks podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please show your support by subscribing and leaving us a five-star rating. Thank you, and we'll catch you on next week's episode.